asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking cheap, ugly homes, scam susceptibility, and timeshares making a comeback. Timeshares, man, this makes me think. So a few weeks ago, did the you know we had the whole family down for fall break at Disney, and they got those tents set up all over the place. And I'm pretty sure is it Disney Vacation Club? Uh huh. I'm sure. Did you not sidle up to one of those one of those guys and get like a free cup or T-shirt <laughs> or something like that while you were down there? No, this I wasn't past interested. Summer? No, no. But I, I think <laughs> wasn't going to give them the, the time of day to even understand whether or not it was a timeshare or not. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it probably is. Yeah. And Matt, speaking of vacations, Emily and I, we just got back from a real quick anniversary trip, went to New York City and just... Uh, it, yeah, you had a good time, right? Yeah, we had a great time. We, we saw a couple of shows on Broadway, We uh, and, but one, <laughs> we tried this website uh, called broadwayroulette.com and it is what you think it is. <laughs> it, it, it is like taking a chance on what on what show you're actually going to see instead of handpicking it you're going to get a discount by kind of taking whatever comes your way and you can cross off actually a few names of shows that you're like yeah definitely don't want to see that one uh, which is which is nice and so um we, we were like all right we're gonna give this a shot this sounds kind of like fun i also kind of like the randomness of of not knowing mm -hmm. until we got the show uh, <laughs> and we were like oh man that's actually not a show we're terribly wait, wait what y'all get stoked to see and by the way oh i heard about this website from somebody who writes for our site our oh, friend yeah. brit and so no shade on brit but like we ended up getting this show about neil diamond's life <laughs> and i'm like honestly i don't see what i don't know what people see in that had guy. it been like a hootie and blowfish musical oh. you would have been all for it i would right? have eaten it up but not neil diamond no. i guess i assume <laughs> fortunately we uh we were by the way the youngest people in that theater by oh, sure. substantial margin <laughs> so people people in their late 30s not neil diamond people people in their 70s most definitely <laughs> neil diamond people uh or at least a lot of them but am i frugal or cheap i guess for having tried this out no i gotta give it a go you think so okay. no absolutely be well it, i assume it comes at a massive discount right yes okay it's not like they're just choosing it for you uh and you just and you still have to pay 
Um, no, they're basically giving the, you the leftovers at a at, uh, a, at a reduced <laughs> price, which is nice. But I will say, looking it up later, I didn't get as much of a reduced price as I hoped. Oh, really? What and was so, the, what was the discount? Well, like it, it depends on the show and the day and all that kind of stuff. But there were better shows that I was excited to see that Emily and I actually paid full price for. Right. It was like an extra twenty bucks or something like that. And so, it, I, I, in retrospect, I think so I would have twenty dollars savings. I would have looked ticket. longer and harder. Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on the show and all okay. that kind of stuff. So, well, uh, how much yeah. did you save though when you looked it up? Well, versus that actual show, yeah. I I don't think we save very much. Oh, yeah, because oh, it's one of the it's one well, of the shows sucks. that still has tickets. And then you're like, well, dang, I spent all that time having paid the same amount that all these other folks paid. Yeah, <laughs> but who are obviously excited to see it. But uh, well, I mean, those ticket prices are dynamic, so it's yeah. hard to say how much you save. Gotcha. But and, and maybe you end up getting the show of your dreams that typically costs way more money. Uh, but it, and it was it was a really fun exercise, and I'm always yeah. it's it's a fun story to be able to tell like we're literally in there with all these awesome old folks like listening to all these neil diamond songs we don't know what they are okay except for sweet caroline i know that one well is that that's the only one i don't think i even knew that that was neil diamond (laughs) personally well i'm I'm glad y'all tried it because yeah if you have the opportunity to potentially save it it would be different if y'all lived in new york and you'd seen a bunch of different shows and you're like i'm not going to take the chance of going to see something that i've already seen but for you it was a chance to see pretty much I mean, y'all have, y'all have seen a few shows, but yeah, not, many. They, not many. They were all yeah. new to us, basically. Exactly. And so we were like, all right, cool. As long as we don't get this, 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 and this. But if we had crossed out, could have been able to cross off just a few more, then we would have <laughs> we would have found something that we, we were that, happy with. Would, would that have been your sixth one? To that be would like, have definitely would been. Would it really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and in retrospect, we should have left oh, others on. But it's, it's okay. It's okay. And we got to go see um, some other really really great shows while we were there too we had the best time and it was a pretty inexpensive quick getaway uh especially because nice. we we used points to to get there yeah. uh, southwest points but um just goes to show that sometimes sometimes it's worth the gamble and other times you know you, you, you go not, see neil diamond it's not playing uh, roulette yeah, yeah for it but uh all right let's keep moving man this is our friday flight where we have a nice little sampling of some of the different stories that we found most interesting this week. But uh, actually, let's go ahead and start off by updating some information from Monday's episode, the uh, Ask How to Money episode, uh, where we answered Kyle's question about getting the uh, the IRA match from Robinhood. Oh, yeah. Uh, it turns out Robinhood now has some competition in the IRA matching space. SoFi, this is something that they have recently announced that they're going to do as well. One of the bigger fintech companies out there, yeah. SoFi. Yeah. yeah I, think, I believe they have the stadium naming rights to... Uh, big, oh, do they still? Sacramento or Los Angeles? I don't Vegas remember. or something? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, listener Hannah, she's she actually emailed us and was just like, hey, by the way, I heard y'all talk about Robinhood. SoFi is doing this now as it's well. It's just launched. Yeah. 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 It's brand new. But they currently say that the offer ends at the end of the year, which makes it not all that helpful <laughs> in reality because of like the ongoing nature of the match at Robin like that is what makes it appealing well, let's be honest, as opposed hopefully- to just like I, like I would not hop over there just to get a match on your contributions to the end of the year for That's, 2023. Well, especially since we're hoping that not a, very much money. A lot of our listeners have already made a lot of their contributions to the Roth IRA already. So if they if they've already come close to maxing it out or, or whatever, then you've already made the contributions for the year. You can't go back and do it with somebody else. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, so far, like they could certainly choose to keep this as an ongoing benefit, an ongoing feature in the coming years if this launch is successful, but. One of the things that I guess where SoFi stands maybe a little bit taller than Robinhood, they've actually instituted just a two-year vesting period, which is better than the five-year vesting period that uh, comes with the Robinhood match. They also have a slightly cheaper $75 outgoing transfer fee 
still Robin crummy, Hood's but. is yeah Rob, Robin Hood's is is 100 $100 but I also noticed too that SoFi they are excluding any money that you transfer or any money that you roll over mm-hmm. to an IRA whereas Robin Hood there is no cap uh, so you are still getting matched on dollars that you transfer or roll over that's one of the it's truly one of the only reasons I'm actually considering going with it because of I'm like oh my gosh it's certainly healthier than just ongoing contributions moving forward but either way the concept of an IRA match is, like it's still sort of in its infancy with some of these fintech players. Uh, it's functioning more as a loss leader. But if you're savvy, uh, you might just be able to use it to your advantage. In particular, if you do not have access to a match where you have an outside company helping mm-hmm. you out with your retirement, like us, we don't we don't have anybody else helping us to retire. Joel. That's right. No, we got we're doing it ourselves. But just like we talked about on Monday, there it's there's some perks here, but there's some downsides, right? And you have to know what those downsides are. That five year vesting period is one of yeah. the toughest things to stomach about the Robinhood, the Robinhood gift, right? That Robinhood match, and SoFi dials that back by a few years, but two years is still a long time. Uh, and so you have to know the gory details of these plans before you just say, "Sign me up, let me get the match." Um, although. I think it's cool, and I love that this is happening. Just be aware of those specifics. Read through all the FAQs. Make sure you know what you're getting into. Got to know what all the catches are. Yeah. And Matt, given our conversation with Dr. Twangy about, this was a few weeks ago, about the generational differences uh, that exist, especially we honed in on personal finance and, and kind of money and the differences between generations on those fronts. Well, we thought this story deserved to mention because defying the narrative yet again, millennials are in fact crushing it when it comes to saving yeah. for retirement. There were uh, new numbers that came out. We're number one. Yeah, we are. (laughs) Take that, boomers and and Gen Xers. Well, uh, these new numbers from Vanguard show that millennials as a generation have been saving really, really well for retirement. And and this just jives with everything that Dr. Twangy was telling us on that episode. Despite the, the popular refrain and and the headlines from across the the popular narrative the newsosphere like uh, millennials are on track to replace 60 percent of their salary in those post-retirement years based on what they've been able to save and, and rack up so far in their iras and their 401ks and those other like uh tax advantaged accounts and that's just a pretty sizable leap over the generations that have gone before this is this is like it goes to show that there's a whole lot of momentum essentially that that millennials have been able to grab onto when it comes to making progress with their finances and their retirement account balances are kind of showing the reality of how much they've been able to achieve. Sure. So I think one of the cooler aspects of this story and some of the research is the stat that the new automation features like auto enrollment, like that that is a big part of why millennials have more dollars in their retirement accounts, in their tax advantage retirement accounts. So yes, millennials are doing better financially than the media lets on, but behavioral finance techniques, it seems to be making a massive difference. So for instance, 60% of companies that use Vanguard, well, they auto-enroll new employees into the 401k offerings that they have. Uh, That's currently. 15 years ago, it was just 10%. So Mm. you're comparing 60% today who are auto-enrolled versus 10 15 years ago. So there have certainly been a lot of positive changes on the investing front over the past couple of decades. I'm looking at just lower costs, like the lower uh, expense ratios on different fees. And just, we talked about this with uh, Paul Merriman, 
the invention of target date funds where Game you don't changer. have to mess with it at all. But making investing the default is one of the best advances that, that, that we've seen. It's so basic, yet it's yes. it's having obviously such a positive impact. And, and when it comes to like product managers or policy, like folks who manage benefits with companies, the ability to take advantage of our desire to maintain the status quo, right? Yeah. Like that's the status quo bias where it's like, well, I've always been investing. So I guess I'll just go ahead and continue to invest right, as opposed right. to making the active decision of, should I start investing now? It's like, well, no, you don't even have to ask yourself that question anymore yeah. because you have all always been investing since you've been, since you were hired. It, go, it goes to show that it al doesn't always take some newfangled fancy ETF. Although I'm glad targeted yeah. funds exist. Sometimes it is this, these like minor behavioral tweaks or yeah, just like an auto enrollment kind of thing. That's going to make the big difference. It's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. It's not because millennials are so much more disciplined than the people that went before them. They're not it's, more disciplined. They're not smarter. It's is because <laughs> the default choice is different. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, and Absolutely. so I, I do think that's a big part of why and uh, much much to the benefit for millennials as well and matt speaking of generational differences well there's this uh, a recent deloitte survey which showed the counterintuitive reality that we're living in and m most of us we probably think of boomers maybe as being the most susceptible to falling prey to a scam just we're just thinking okay well maybe their cognitive ability has declined late 70s early 80s sort of thing not as familiar with the technology perhaps right. they're the kind of person who's going to get the phone call or the text message or the email and they're going to click the link and uh and but i guess that bias is actually is actually wrong <laughs> given this new data it turns out that gen z falls for scams far more frequently than somebody in their 60s or 70s. And, and Gen Zers are actually three times more likely to get caught in an online scam than a baby boomer is. Why is that? Well, it's it's largely because they spend so much more time online. Sure. Right. And, and while scam artists have a lower batting average with Gen Zers, like they're they're not nabbing as many for as many attempts, they're getting way more chances. So email, social media, dating sites, e-commerce, all of those are the likely places that, that people are going to fall victim to a scam attempt. So I guess uh, our advice to you is to be careful what, what links you click. It's easy to think that as a, a savvy youngster who's been on the you know internet since they came out of the womb, who, who's been TikToking since they were like three and a half or something like that, that you're not going to be the one. And that these scams, well, they can't phase you. They can't get you. The truth is they are getting younger people more and more and more. I think scammers are going to where the people are. Those slightly more subtle attempts are actually working um, and they're parting people from their money. It's, it's sort of like the, the the chance of getting bit by a shark are astronomically low. But guess what? If you're a, a diver <laughs> or if you're a surfer and you spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of time in the ocean, uh, chances are slightly higher that yes. you will be the one who's get, who's actually bit by a shark as a, versus somebody who yeah. lives in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like yeah. the chances of them falling prey to a shark uh, the chances slim. The chances go up precipitously. precipitously. It's still unlikely that you're going to get bitten by a shark, right? Exactly. And look out too, like a lot of different uh, employers empl deploy these phishing email training emails, or I don't, I don't know what exactly they call them, but basically they're trying to make sure that their employees are smart. And in particular, this is a pretty consequential thing if you have an employee who clicks a link where they were scammed by an, like an outsider, right? Like yeah. in particular, if you have access to like bill pay or other financial documents or payroll, for instance, but companies are employing these outside companies to s basically send out these emails to determine who needs the training. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
if you do click it, I guess you probably do need the training, but best thing to do is just to avoid it altogether in the, in yeah. the first place. Always always look at the, the sender, right? Uh, yes, yeah, don't look, look at the display name, but actually look at the stinking email. Because uh, I swear, to, to, to know. somebody's been sending me emails from Matt Altmix. Like, <laughs> no joke. Like, they know... Oh. Are you serious? Yes, like they know. Oh, you haven't told me this. That we're best buds, and I get <laughs> oh, I get up. scam emails with your name on it for real. But then I look at the sender, and clearly, like what's written in the in the that, body of the email is ridiculous too. Oh, you got to forward those to me. I will next time. That is crazy. I think too. One of the biggest like the essence of every scam is to get people to act quickly. It's all about sure. Like, hey, you got to do this. You got to do it right away. There's like the utility scam, which maybe they'll call your place of business and say, hey, you didn't pay your utility bill. You got to go right now and pay it, or we're shutting off your power. And mm-hmm. a business owner knows hey if they shut off my power that i'm going to lose productivity blah 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 they're willing to do whatever it takes to get that to make sure the power stays on but oftentimes that is a scam that is not how a utility company would contact you and they wouldn't say we're turning off your power in 20 minutes or else right <laughs> and so like if if you hang up the phone we cut the power yeah so i think this isn't the mafia <laughs> right it's a utility company i think staying, or in this case it's a scammer yeah, yeah i think staying calm asking for details that goes a long way to to shutting the scammer down that's right okay so the journal they had an article detailing that folks these days they really don't want to buy a fixer upper uh so i think it's all those shows on uh hgtv right it made them want the finished product uh to not actually do the work themselves yeah there's i think there's always been some truth to this especially when it Can comes I just buy to the uh, home that joanna did i don't yes. want to actually do the work <laughs> i want the nice home as opposed to going in and doing the grunt work in order to get it done but a lot of first-time homebuyers have a hard time seeing past just the dingy carpet and the 80s wallpaper to what the home could potentially be. But this also presents, in our opinion, just a massive opportunity for how to money listeners out there who want to buy a home, but they just feel like it's out of reach. Why not opt for the ugly house? Because it's going to be cheaper because you'll have less competition to deal with. Other folks aren't going to want to buy that ugly home. <laughs> and then you can fix some of those things with your own elbow grease over time when you have the spare cash, the ability to get a deal on a home. I think it's often going to take just a different mindset than what it is that a lot of first-time home buyers are, what mm. it is that they're looking for. Yeah, and I think you're right You to target or to highlight sp- specifically first-time home buyers. That's particularly something that, that they're like, well, I don't know about this. I'm willing for something smaller as long as it's fully updated. But the the less updated it is, the, the more you can increase that equity on your own. And I know, yeah, you might be moving in and the bathroom might not be to your taste or the paint color might need to be changed over time. But the more and more you make those updates, the more the value is going to increase and it, it's going to go, the, those dollars are going to flow into your pocket, not somebody else's. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think that's a really a really good thing to make people aware of. And you could even be like our friend Carl, who we've interviewed before on the show, Mr. 1500, who does live in flips. It's not for everyone, not for the faint of heart, but it's a savvy way to grow your wealth, to live in the home while you're doing the work. And then, I don't know, maybe you sell it and move on down the road and you pocket those gains tax-free, which is what's so great about live-in flips. But also be sure not to bite off more than you can chew. It makes me think of uh, Money Pit, Matt, the Tom Hanks movie. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you definitely <laughs> you don't, definitely don't want to go overboard and be like, I'm going to tear this one down to the studs. And I've never even you know replaced the basic working mechanism of a toilet. So th- there was this article in Lifehacker uh, about buying incredibly cheap homes via some of these government programs that exist. Some, some of the homes can cost as little as a dollar, which is crazy to mm-hmm. think about. But I, there are things that can go wrong in that instance, too. A lot of these homes are in parts of the country that you might not even want to take up residence in, right? You might not want to live in. Maybe they're, they're parts of the country where there's an exodus going on. And the renovations required can be significant. Like, we're not talking about the basics of paint and some tile. You might need, like, 
a bulldozer and a framing crew and a general contractor. And uh, I, I hadn't heard much about these programs, but it potentially proves the saying about certain things being too good to be true. Hey, there's a really cheap home over here. Well, hey, it needs some fixes, but make sure also you know the scope of the work that you're getting into. It's possible to say, all right, I'm going to DIY some of this stuff. But if it's if it's massively over your head and it turns into a money pit, you could find yourself losing financially in that scenario. That's right. Yeah. And in particular, like the $1 homes that you can buy, like some of the different government programs. They require like there are strings attached and oftentimes they require updating. We're all for people making their own decisions, but you need to make sure that you know what is going to be required of you. You don't need to basically just start following um, cheap old homes, which I, this it's a rabbit trail that I totally went down and started following cheap old homes here in the States over in Europe. <laughs> and they've got all these amazing, historic, beautiful homes. Oh, cheap Scandinavian homes. Yeah, dude, they are so cool. <laughs> and they're all on fjords. Yep. <laughs> but it's not necessarily about just getting a good deal. Because I mean, I guess that's why I was intrigued by it. Because I thought I've renovated a few homes like I flipped one, sold one before. But it's not like the live and flip approach would not be something that Kate would be all for. And there's just more into buying a home than just making sure that you're getting a good deal. There's a lot of additional factors yeah. like, like we've talked about here on the show. Yeah. But I think it's good because it can be basic stuff. But as long as you're not looking for like the perfect package, that's what everybody's looking for right oh, now. Oh, yeah. And so if you're willing to zig when others are zagging, when everyone else is looking for like the perfect HGTV looking home and you can see the ability, see the character, the, the bones, right, as they say, then I think you stand, you can stand to make some of those changes over time and financially benefit. That's right. All right, Matt, we got more to get to on this episode. And we're going to touch on fees, but we're also going to talk about how long you can actually keep a phone. How long is it actually going to stay updated? How long is it safe? We'll get to that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. 
Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we are back from the break, and it is now time for our ludicrous headline of the week. And this one is from USA Today. The headline reads, Timeshares are making a comeback with younger Americans, and here is the appeal. Mm. Yeah, let's, let's talk about timeshares, because... New stats show that more than half of timeshare owners are now in the millennial and not even millennials, but Gen Z generations as well, which really surprised me. Uh, And it's not just because they're inheriting them, which is definitely the case. They're actually going out there and they're buying them. Like proactively pursuing timeshares. Yes. I didn't realize that timeshares held the, the same sway for young folks, but apparently they do. But it's costing them dearly. So... A lot of folks are going to tout timeshares because they've come a long ways from maybe 20, 30 years ago, because today some timeshares allow for more flexibility than they used to. You don't necessarily have to stay at the exact same place. So what they've got these different systems where you can use the points that you've accrued within a system uh, at a bunch of different destinations around the world that they manage. But then you can use those points. You can deploy those points in other ways. Uh, You can put them towards cruises, (laughs) for instance, like other excursions, even Mm -hmm. car rentals. But that being said, they are still a crappy product and we would not encourage you to check them out. Yeah, it it sounds better and it is better in some ways. Like you said, the more flexibility, but it still doesn't make them good (laughs) or or a a decent thing to spend your money on. They're just less bad today. Right, right. They still come with fees attached, right? Including annual maintenance fees, which can run into the four figures pretty easily each and every single year. And this article, Matt, in USA Today, at the very end, they sneak this sentence in, the resale market for timeshare is a buyer's market. And (laughs) it's true because uh, while some folks are glad they made the purchase, the vast majority of people are not because of how draining it can be on their personal finances, right? They They didn't necessarily go out with the goal of buying a timeshare. Most people get talked into purchasing one. And, and then getting rid of that timeshare is about as easy as getting rid of your skin, right? You, you don't, it's impossible <laughs> to do. Um, or it's tough, tough to shake it. Darn near impossible. <laughs> and so you, you, we're, all, we're all for taking vacations. We're all for spending money on fun travel experiences. But you don't have to buy a timeshare to do that. Avoid them. And especially when you're talking about something that's basically impossible to sell or you're going to lose your shirt and a, you know, a bunch of other money inside of that shirt as you try to sell that timeshare, that is the biggest indicator, I think, that they're not worth the nearly the price that they're being sold for. Yeah, like you said, it's the ongoing fees and not knowing necessarily... I mean, we know where the fees are going to go. They're going up. It's, there's no way that those annual fees are coming down and you have no idea of how high those fees are going to go and yeah. what you've signed up for in the future. That's what's That's one of the worst parts about these, well, these timeshares. And I love that the that the selling point is more flexibility, but guess what's even more flexibility than a, flexible than a timeshare? You choosing, <laughs> you choosing where it is that you want to go. Wherever you want to go. And you can use, like, guess what's even more flexible? The 
credit card rewards points that you earn through Chase Sapphire Preferred or Capital Heck One yeah. Ventrex. You can you can choose hotels across the world, and they're not just certain brand hotels or anything like that. Yeah. Or uh, just or There's your no timeshare network that's as vast as that, right? Or your hard earned dollars and just finding the <laughs> best deal on a place you want to stay. That's a much better way to go than going with the timeshare. Yeah, everyone accepts U.S. dollars. <laughs> right. Let's talk about fee transparency because the Biden administration and the state of California they have both had their sights set on eliminating junk fees. Governor Gavin Newsom, he actually just signed a law that will make fees much more transparent moving forward. And just because of the sheer size of California, this bill is going to have ramifications across the country. Makes me think of the EU. Was it the EU who required that iPhones have the, you know, the standard USB-C charging port? And because of that, guess what? All iPhones now have that, regardless of where they're sold. Even though they're not mandated to have them here in the United States, they were like, "What? A, of course, now, we're not going to manufacture two different." Do yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. So companies have already seen the writing on the wall, and they have proactively made changes. Uh, Ticketmaster actually did this. Basically, they're no longer surprising you with their their fee. Instead, they're just letting you know up front. So. It's important to know here, they're not actually lowering their fees. They're just, <laughs> they're just becoming more transparent. But while transparency doesn't eliminate excess fees, it actually is really good at reducing some customer frustration where consumers now have the ability to comparison shop and they're not shocked on the back end where it's not where it doesn't feel like a bait and switch you can go into these transactions more informed yeah yeah eyes wide open mm-hmm. and you're right yeah like ticketmaster knew they're they're trying to be good good little boys and girls over there because they realize that there are other actions that could be taken against them at some point in the future and so they're like well, let's go ahead and do this now and look like look like the good little boy who who did the right thing well but you're right man it's not changing the actual fees it's just putting them up front and center and so you're going to see that more and more when you're shopping with different different providers online and uh, the truth is fees are always going to be with us right even with these attempts to make them less hidden less difficult to spot and there's one place where fees remain elevated and and that's when you grab cash at the atm bank rate reports that those fees are at an all-time high basically four dollars and 73 cents Every time you're going to to pull cash out of an ATM, that's the average of what you're going to get charged in ATM fees. And I, man, I don't know about you. I don't remember the last time I used an ATM. Has it been a while for you? I literally can't remember either. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it feels like kind of a relic of a bygone era that most people don't need to use ATMs for anything. A lot of those cash payment apps like Venmo and stuff like that have made it easier to get around that as well, around not having cash. But if you like to grab cash at the ATM regularly, seeing that is kind of shocking. Just make sure you're using the right ATM when you're pulling cash out because most banks have a network of free ATMs where you're not going to get charged a dime for taking your own money out, right? Like uh, Capital One, for instance. I've been with Capital One for a long, long time. They, they use all point ATMs. And so they have something like, they have tens of thousands of ATMs around the country at like every Target, Walgreens, and CVS. And so that way, if, if I did need cash, I wouldn't know where to go. And I wouldn't be uh, be charged some ridiculous fee because I'm with a bank that has uh, a network effect, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're giving me the discount for using like the right multiple ATM. networks. I think that's one of the reasons Capital One has so many stinking options is because like they're on multiple networks. And so if that is something that you, that is important to you, the ability to get your hands on some cash, yeah. make sure you're with a bank that has a vast network like that. Or I think Schwab, Schwab. is one of the banks that says, hey, guess what? It, we don't care where you get your cash. We'll just reimburse all those fees. Yeah. And so that's that's one of the biggest perks uh, that Schwab offers like as a bank. Going with Chuck. Yeah. Or... I'm not opposed to just use your your uh, your check card 
I mean, we're huge proponents of using your credit card because of the different benefits and the protections that they allow. But if you want to use your card once to be able to get some cash back for free uh, at a supermarket, at when a you gas buy, station, buy the gum and get the twenty buy, bucks sure. back. Sure, like you, like in high school where you're like <laughs> getting a Mountain Dew uh, yeah. <laughs> in order to get your hands on fifty bucks. But uh, that's obviously a consideration as well. Uh, let's talk about how long your old phone is good for. Turns out it's going to be longer than you think. A friend of mine, he actually he got a a new to him old iPhone 8 and you got it for free and he was very excited about it initially but then he was bummed once Apple started making all the uh, all the new releases and he oh. found out that he wasn't going to get the new iOS and I was like dude it's a free phone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do not need to be complaining about this he was a little bummed but what he needed to understand was that the new iOS update it didn't necessarily make his phone a, a total brick he's not going to get the latest features but it will in fact still get security updates which means if you're still happy with the phone you can keep it. Actually, I think going back to iPhone, like the new iPhone SE as well as the iPhone 6, I think the I think they're on like iOS 15. So you can have like a 10-year-old phone and you know what? It can still be completely functional and com- completely safe. Yeah, I think a lot of people hear, oh, my version, I think the iPhone X is not receiving the update to the newest iOS either. And people are, People think it's time to scrap it. If I'm not getting the new iOS, then I need to get rid of my phone. Let's be honest, the iOS upgrades are pretty minimal too. And so as long as the current iOS, which serves your phone, even if it's the older version, is still being updated, which they are, 15 and 16, your phone is still fine. It's still safe. Yeah, absolutely. And so Google, they've actually just announced that they're going to provide seven years of updates for their newest Pixel phones. So this is all great news. And like you said, there aren't massive technological leaps that are taking place with each new phone and each iOS that's that's being released. But as long as it's being protected, as long as you are receiving those security updates, what that means is that we can keep those phones around for longer. And it's just an example of the fact that it's not planned obsolescence that's causing us to have to go out and purchase mm-hmm. a new phone. It's, it's more of our own appetites. It's our own desires to have the latest and greatest thing. I feel like planned obsolescence is going to get the blame they're going to take the fall for a lot of the stuff when in reality, it's like, hey, no, no, no. You need to take responsibility. You need to own up to the fact that you yeah. just want the new phone. It, it's easy to either be misinformed or to use it as an excuse. As a right? crutch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To be like, oh, it's not going to get the latest. I, it's time for me to move on uh, when that's not necessarily the case. So, mm-hmm. And it's good to see. I was glad to see Google say that because Google had been kind of the one holdout in some ways of committing to longevity of these phones and saying, hey, seven years. That that feels like a robust amount of time yeah. that you can plan on keeping that phone. And who, I mean, who knows what phones are going to look like in seven years or whether we're even going to be using phones. Maybe no, we'll it's have going to be all Neuralink. The Neuralink implant. Ch- yeah. Chip in our, chip in our brains. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. And it's also a little frightening. But yeah, speaking of phones, there's this new Gallup poll and it found that the average teen spends almost five hours a day on social media. Ooh. And I, I don't want to embellish too much. It's 4.8 to be exact. <laughs> uh, but social media and YouTube are the, the main culprits, TikTok and YouTube in particular, where they're, they're spending the bulk of that time. And the data point points to parental involvement being key in screen time reduction. Basically, if you don't think it's healthy for your child to be tethered to that screen as much as they are, it's up to you to implement reasonable restrictions. And there's nothing wrong with using digital tools. It's just about using them in the way that they're meant to be that allow us to continue a healthy relationship to those digital screens that we've been that, that we've become so accustomed to. But clear connections have obviously been made between heavy phone and social media usage and declining mental health. And yeah. so it's it's not just our kiddos who need to ditch the phone more either, man. I see that stat and I'm like, 4.8, that's insane. But then I look at myself and have to be a little <laughs> honest and I have to realize that I need to make adjustments in my own life. Do you, to ever, kinda... you, 
Yeah. Do you use screen time on, on, on the I iPhone? I don't. I you should. You are a new convert to the iPhone yeah. space, and they've got, I'm sure they have it on Google, on uh, the Droid software they have as, similar, as well. Yeah. But it's not something I've done, and I'm actually, like, I want to implement that, but I'm, I'm honestly a little nervous because I'm afraid of what I'm going to what I'm going to discover, which yeah. is probably all the more reason to actually implement it <laughs> just to keep tabs on my social media and just phone usage in general. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a that's a scary stat to see. It's clearly leading to other societal problems and other personal individual problems. And even as non-digital natives, Matt, you know, you and I were grandpa millennials, essentially. We didn't grow up with smartphones. We still remember flip phones. We remember pagers. We remember, you know, dial up Internet, all that oh, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Those were the good old days. But <laughs> it's a good reminder to to i think to all of us and to me as well reading that they're like i need to make some changes too and i i need to get off the screen more get out there in nature get out there with with real friends yeah just think of all the other things that you could do if we weren't if all of our time not all i don't, I don't want to say all of our time but a significant portion of our time was getting just yeah. sucked and drained siphoned away from us and to me this is one other great argument for kids being able to to work jobs when they're in high school because if you're like wait a second how much are you on the phone doing social media? Or you can definitely work two hours. That's a part-time job, bro. I know. You can work You can work two hours a day, whatever, eight hours a week, something like that um, after school. You can fit it in. You sound like a fast food manager. Yeah. If, if you're leaning, you can be cleaning. Uh, that was definitely what my Chick-fil-A manager told me back in the day. If you got time to lean, you got, you got time, time to clean. To clean. Yep. It's Okay, let's just say that that's a high bar to set. Like, oh, if if you're spending that much time on social media, you should, be, you should go out there and get a job. Even just... Like, just let's drop the media part from social media. Let's just focus on the social part of things, right? The ability for kids just to play with one another, to actually interact in real life, to run around a neighborhood, to play sports, just all of the things that I think are highly underrated when it comes to childhood development. And I think a part of that is because it's not quantifiable. It's not something that you can put a finger... Like, with a part-time job, it's less about the money and more about the lessons you learn. But you can still point put your finger on a income, like a dollar amount. Like, oh, this is how much I make. I think there's an inherent challenge when it comes to valuing something like kids being kids. I think it's going to lead to just a ha uh, happier and healthier generation if these are things that we can lean into. Well, especially when we talk about the problem of bullying and oh bullying is a problem yeah. in the school. But if you can be constantly tethered to it now at home, getting bullied you by the same people, can't get away from you it. You used to be able to get a break, you know. Yeah. So all good reasons to put the phone down a little bit more and to encourage your kids to do the same. All right. All right. Social so soapbox over. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of How to Money. Uh, we appreciate you as always joining us. You can find show notes and links to some of the articles that we referenced uh, on today's show up on the website at howtomoney.com. That's right, man. So until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.